saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Easter season to all of you this Thursday, April the 28th, as the light of Christ shines on us from Psalm 25. This Psalm of David is what's known as an acrostic Psalm. Uh, We don't see this in the English, but we do see it in the Hebrew that each verse is outlined by a letter in the Hebrew, that there's 22 different letters. And here it is, this acrostic Psalm. And also it's a prayer of righteousness, a righteous person asking the Lord to remember. First, don't remember the sins of my youth. That sounds like a good prayer to me because we all have some of that. But also remember your mercy. This is a great psalm for all of us today. I'm looking forward to studying it and praying it because his mercy is what he gives and his mercy is what we need. Open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, and let's get praying for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we have the joy of having Pastor John Hopkins of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hicksville, New York. Pastor Hopkins, happy Easter and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Oh, thank you, Pastor Finner. Appreciate that. It's uh, good to be on here with you this morning. Pastor, you uh, this is your first time on KFUO, so tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints on Long Island, right? Hicksville's in Long Island? That's, that is correct. That is correct. We All are right. on Long Island. Uh, <laughs> um, been a pastor for, uh, golly, it'll be 27 years this year, coming up in August, and uh, been here at Trinity Lutheran here in Hicksville, New York. Again, that is on Long Island, Nassau County, so... Uh, um, We've been here, golly, about 177 years. So it's wow. uh, been Lutherans here on Long Island for a long time. So got it start back in the uh, middle to 1840s, and so lots of lots of been ministry has been happening here for years and years and years. So uh, so the people of God here at uh, uh, Trinity uh, are happy to be part of it this this morning. Uh, myself uh, again, Pastor. Uh, Nearly 27 years. Uh, have four kids scattered around the, the country and around the globe. I got a daughter over in uh, China right now, um, but uh, been part of this. I've been in ministry in Florida and in Kansas, in Georgia, and now here in New York. And so I've uh, been doing this and had the faithful support of my wife all along. Couldn't be couldn't be a pastor without <laughs> her support. So I want to give a big thank you out to my wife, Donna. So pastors need to remember that, uh, to thank their spouses because they're every bit a part of the ministry that, that happens. So thanks so, for having me on this morning. Yeah, this is just great. It's a joy and honor. Um, first of all, it's a good reminder, as Pastor said this, uh, to uh, pray for pastors' wives. Um, that is something that a couple years ago I did a Bible study at a church worker wives retreat and kind of just asked the ladies, you know, tell me about yourself, and just like I did now. And and it was amazing to me how many different jobs and vocations these ladies had had throughout their career. And it wasn't like none of them were like, yeah, if I would have just not married a pastor, my life would have been so much better. They they did it in joy. They did it with uh, um, grace and forgiveness. And so I encourage our listeners to pray 
for pastors' wives. And and full disclosure here as well. Yesterday, I had a guest on of that uh, he's currently pastor of the church I used to serve. And today, a little bit of nostalgia too. Pastor Hopkins was my vicarage supervisor in Kansas <laughs> when I was uh, third year at seminary. So I know Pastor Hopkins and and give thanks for him and his family throughout the years as well. So not only do we, does he think of thanks for his wife, I give thanks for you for your mentoring, patience, and forgiveness on Vicarage. This was in, in Topeka, Kansas, at yes. Calvary Lutheran Church. Um, yeah. yeah, that was a yeah, great many, year, Pastor. Many, you had, <laughs> go ahead. Many years ago for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> and, is, and one of the things I learned right away is if you live in Topeka or you live in Kansas, it is very serious business when you talk about KU or K-State. We yeah, had the current district president on um, in Kansas, Justin Panzer, and Pastor Panzer is a KU graduate. Now, Pastor, where did oh, you graduate from? I graduated from Kansas State, the better university of the two. <laughs> oh, it was great. It was great. I was Thank like, you so, for that. <laughs> so, yeah, right. I was going to ask him, you know, hey, are you, uh, are you a K-State fan? And, and I, he, he almost jumped through the microphone and went after me. So I, I will not do that <laughs> to you. I know you too well. So anyways, so pastor, we're here to study God's word. And let's start this way. Let's pray. I'm going to pray Psalm 25. So as we read okay. the psalm, we also pray it. And so I'll end with the glory of poetry and get some of your first thoughts. Because you know what? This psalm, I know I've looked at it. I would say that I haven't studied it much. And it is such a powerful personal psalm for us this morning. So let us begin our time in prayer. Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him who fears the Lord, him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lowly and lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me, who guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. 
glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. So, Pastor, as we look at this psalm, like I said, I, I, a lot of it kind of rings in my ears. It's it's used often, for example, um, do not remember the sins of my youth. I mean, I've heard that quote quite a f- bit of times from people, used it myself. Um, but when we look at the whole thing, how do you want to start us off so we're doing so um, faithfully? Well, I think, uh, as you mentioned earlier, it's an acrostic um, psalm and meaning you know each letter the hebrew alphabet starts off with so it's kind of you know basically running from if you were to say in english a to z so each each uh, verse mm-hmm. begins with uh, the letter the alphabet and uh, i like how the concordia uh, self-study bible has it broken down into the different ways the verses are broken out uh, starting off the prayer for victory prayer for teaching appeal to god's memory you know the lord instructs mm-hmm. sinners those who fear the lord prayer for forgiveness, prayer for deliverance, and prayer for redemption. I think that, quite frankly, it's an excellent way to, to follow through this. Um, but just as keep in mind, too, with an acrostic, uh, well, you could call it a pattern device that's being used here. One, mm-hmm. it's it's memorable in the sense where if you're uh, somebody who's a Hebrew hearing this, um, it would be memorable for them in that sense. But also, too, I think it might help uh, – you know, help encourage them learning and, and remember this, you know, uh, memorization perhaps might be a, another way of uh, uh, using this and, and learning it. So, uh, but let's dig into this. Um, I, I also kind of like I was, I was doing a little research on this myself. Um, Charles Spurgeon, he, he, let me quote him on this. He said, David yeah. is pictured in this Psalm as in a faithful miniature, his holy trust, his many conflicts, his great transgressions, his bitter repentance, and his deep distresses are all here so that we see that the very heart of, quote, the man after God's own heart. And I think, uh, I think as we go through that, we'll, we'll see some of that sense there as we're breaking it down into the, the various verses here. That, again, this is David's prayer here, and he gets right into praying about himself. And so I think uh, um, that's a good way for us to begin. And I think, you know, that's a great, oh, that's a great way to think of this psalm um, because we can get too wound up into the poetry of it. Like you said, it's very catechetical and teaching wise, you know, with it, it was you know, something they definitely could have memorized. We can look at the, the each line is a little bit different. You can look at the, um, how it's used and all of that. But we got to remember, this is actually an actual person praying for himself. And exactly. this reminds me of this. And I'm going to, I'm going to highlight this story is one of my professors talked about um, they were in the church and they asked for prayer request. And, you know, often what we'll do as Christians is that, you know what, uh, uh, can you pray for Bill or can you pray for Bob or you can pray for Sharon, whoever it might be. And, and that's exactly how we should pray. But he said one time he was sitting there and this older woman next to him said, you know, this is kind of weird, but can you pray for me? Because this is what I'm going through right now. And that's why I think this prayer does is it, it shows that prayer we can give for ourselves. And, and that's okay, right? That's not selfish. That's the Lord inviting us to pray for ourselves. Any thoughts on that before we begin, Pastor? No, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. You know, because even just as we start off with that, that first verse there, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I mean, mm. you can't get much more personal than that. I mean, that, that's right. where David's kind of bearing himself right off the bat here. It's like, uh, here I am. You know, every, every time I look at that, you know, when I lift up my soul, you know, he's coming right there before the Lord. Um, it reminds me just as I am, you know, just here I am, Lord. Um, you right. know, I'm, I'm bringing everything, my whole being right to you. 
So let's yeah. dig in. So, uh, and okay. You set that up, Pastor. I'll read the first three verses and you continue okay. with what you're saying here. So to you, O Lord, sure. I lift up my soul. O my God, and you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let, let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. So, Pastor, continue with your thoughts. Here I am. Just give it all to God. And, and what does he say? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he, here he is. He's, he's coming right up to God. And it's like, all right, here I am. And I think it's good for us to remember that, too, at times, you know, because so often um, we find ourselves, and we'll get into this later, too, when he's more specifically, but we tend to think that we get ourselves into a situation where we try and deal with it ourselves. And now we're at the point where it's like, I can't do anything on my own. Um, uh, I got to go to you, Lord. And that's exactly where David's at. And so if somebody were to look at this uh, psalm, you know, and they're finding themselves like, like they're, the backs are against the wall, so to speak, this is a good one to come to. Because this is exactly what's happening here. Because as David then, he leads into right after that, oh, my God, in you I trust. Okay? He's confessing right off the bat here. It's like, God, I trust in you. And this is exactly where God wants us. <clears throat> Again, how often do we find ourselves in a corner with seemingly nowhere to turn? So, you know, we're, our backs are against the wall, so we turn to God. Okay? And, and we go to him. Why? Well, God knows our predicaments. Okay. And so now it's like, you know, he, he's waiting, been waiting for us to come to him all along. And now we're saying to God, all right, you have my full attention here. It's like, I, I can't do anything more on my own. Nowhere else to turn. I trust in you. And then there's an that important is, part here. He goes, go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. No, I like it, John. Keep going. All right. All right. He goes, and then let me not be put to shame. Now, something that we need to, you know, here, you know, in the States, you know, we might say shame on you, you know, and it kind of lightheartedly, <laughs> you know, well, not so when you hear, read this from David, you know, let me not put, be put to shame, shame in his culture at that time, even still today in the Middle East culture, shame is a bad thing. You know, uh, it's, it's as, as if you have dishonored yourself, uh, your family, God. Okay, that's where it's coming from. So it's a bad situation. And so then here it is. It's like, all right, God, all right, I put my trust in you. My hope is in you and nothing else. It's like, don't me, don't let me be put to shame for misplaced trust. Okay, so it's just like, mm. God, I got to I got to come to you on this one. It's like, you know, don't let me be put to shame. But then also, too, he says, let not my enemies exult over me. Well, he certainly doesn't want his enemies to rejoice over him and whatever the situation that has prompted David, uh, you know, to pray this prayer. Okay, so he, he's confessing here. It's like, hey, God, you know, I'm in trouble. Now, sometimes that trouble comes upon us. Okay, and sometimes we create our own troubles. And I think uh, more often than not, I think it's probably the latter, right, that we create mm -hmm. our our own situations. You know, we set off on our own that we uh, recognize that sometimes we uh, fail to realize that we are the cause of such situations. And uh, just recently, uh, we're in, uh, been having an Exodus Bible study, and we, this topic kind of came up. Um, and also, too, in, in confirmation class recently, it's interesting how this has come up twice, that how we yeah. tend to get into the blame game, you know, that, that yeah. the problems that we have are somebody else's fault, you know, and, and to bring it right back up, it all goes back to Adam and Eve. Okay, 
blame God for our problems. You know, it's just like, you know, why did you do this? And, and so, you know, I always make the point of illustrating Adam there. And it's like, he, he, he says to God, it's like, well, this woman you put here with me, you know, she's <laughs> the one who you told me to eat and I ate. <laughs> you know, is Adam taking the blame there? Is he blaming Eve? No, he's blaming God. You know, it's like, right. that takes nerve, quite frankly. Sit there, tell God, it's like, you know, if you hadn't made this woman, I'd been okay, you know? It's like, right, yeah. well, no, it's his fault, okay? <laughs> Same way with, with Eve there. It's like, you know, she she's, you know, I always tell my confirmands, it's like, Eve was sharp. Because she picked up immediately off of what Adam said. It's like, did she take the blame? No, she blamed the serpent. You know, that was his fault. Absolutely, you know? yeah. But yeah. who was it that sinned? It was their fault. Hmm. You know, and this is where um, David's recognizing, yeah, it's my fault. Okay. And because it's my fault, he's like, Lord, I don't want you to let others re rejoice in my troubles. Right. You know, you know, come to my aid. I need your help. And so then he goes Pastor, right in to go ahead. It, let me say one thing with this is sure. This is a really good um, psalm. We always think of Psalm fifty one as kind of that confession psalm. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, like okay, I'm going to use that Psalm fifty one, and there's other parts in Scripture we'll use. Now I'm thinking, I and mean, you've already kind of laid out the groundwork for this whole thing. That this, especially when it, it, it this whole psalm can be used as a good confession of our own Absolutely. faith, you know, a, a confession of our sins, especially. So I, you, I just want to lay that out for listeners that this is a good example of what you said, our backs to the wall. And therefore we have misplaced trust. Here's a perfect Psalm for all of us to confess before the Lord, because it also brings up beautiful language of grace and mercy that the Lord gives, but it's just done differently. So I, I just want to highlight that because that's kind of, now I have a whole different view of this whole Psalm. So thank you for that. So continue on. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, I, you know, and that's one of those <laughs> things that's, that's, that's kind of one of the, the fun things. And that's why I'm glad you asked me to be on your uh, program here, because this is where, you know, pastor to pastor, we can get into these details and start discussing it. And when we're, you know, digging into it a little bit deeper. It's like some of these things just like, wow, it's been there right in front of us all along. And now when we kind of put a little bit more light on it, it just kind of pops right up off the page there. It's like, wow, you know, learning yeah. something here. Absolutely. All right, let's so go to verse three then. Those? Verse okay. three, okay. Yeah, yeah, let's go to verse three, because yeah, that'll kind of highlight that too. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. So Here's David has gone from the personal and he's kind of expanded this out a little bit here. It's like he's, you know, including himself here, but then he's also including all those who call him the Lord. You know, they're not going to be put to shame for their faith either. Um, and, you know, one of the things here that 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 the word that we have there, wait. All right. I, I think there's a risk here of people sometimes thinking that, you know, waiting on the Lord is a, is a passive thing. Um, and I, I'd say, no, it's not. Um, and here's why. Because I would say, because this is, again, you got to keep in mind that this is a prayer. So prayer is an active thing that we do, okay? We're being willing here to put our trust in God that, you know, he's going to do something, okay? And what does Jesus call us to do in, in times of prayer and need, all right? To be like the persistent widow, all right? Keep going to the Lord in prayer, all right? So waiting on the Lord, and what you're doing here is you're praying to the Lord to, to get involved and be active in your life, right? That's not a passive thing, okay? So again, by doing so, you're, you know, you're demonstrating here to God that you trust in him that, you know, he's going to do something, 
All right. That you're calling on the one who can and is willing to do something. And so I think that's important for us to, to remember here. And that's a good reminder because we can fall into that trap of making it sound like the life of faith is uh, like, as I coach track here, we always have like the beautiful day stretch, which is like at the end of a, of a, a workout or a circuit that they stretch out a little bit and then they just completely lay on their back and they call it the beautiful day stretch. And if anybody moves, the beautiful day stretch continues even longer, you know, that kind of thing. And it's kind of really kind of fun. Kids enjoy that and they're able to relax finally throughout the day. But we think of faith as that, which is true in the sense of the purest sense of how we come to faith and all. It's, it's completely what God does. But clearly every day, that is not the life of faith. It is active. It is, it is, it is prayer depending on God, but it doesn't mean you're just laying down and doing absolutely nothing as well. Is that, is that fair? I mean, to remind that's, us. That's, that's, that's exactly the point I'm trying to make. Good summation yeah. there. That's exactly yeah. what's happening. You know, Very and good. Paul brings that up too. I mean, Romans 5, 5. Um, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Here again, it's like, you know, the hope that we have doesn't put us to shame, right? So, so here again, it's like, yes, we're waiting on the Lord. And again, he, Paul makes it a point there. It's God's love that's been poured into our hearts, right? So he's already been active in our lives. And so this is just continuing. We're just relying on the faith that he's given to us. And again, prayer there is, you know, being very active as a part of that faith. So as we look at verse three, anything else verses one through three, Pastor? Um, no, I think that's it. Uh, you know, and then the, the finishes up there, they shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Uh, you know, uh, again, rather than, you know, David's saying, it's like, hey, you know, don't let the faithful be shamed, Lord. You know, he's praying here mm-hmm. that uh, that those who, the, who are the unbelievers there, it's like, you know, Lord, you take care of them. All right. That, that, that's it, your prerogative there. So as, as we look at Right away, as we said, this is a good repentance, confession of sins psalm, but also it's very personal because if you think of when you address somebody, and I'm trying to think of a good example. I don't think I have one right now, but basically we will say words like, you know, can you just help me not be embarrassed? You know, just just help me not to um, make a fool out of myself, whether it's someone's going to... do public speaking or whatever it might be. Can you help me so I just don't make a fool out of myself or as a coach or as a pastor, whatever it might be, a kid on Confirmation Sunday, just just help me not to be an, an embarrassment here. And that shows you the personalness of David to the Lord. And we will see that throughout this whole psalm um, because oh, absolutely. very much so he's, he's not speaking to just some random person. He's someone that he trusts. Any thoughts on that? No, I agree. You know, while he hasn't specifically mentioned what the issue is, he's still laying his soul bare before the Lord. It's like, you know, Lord, here, here it is. You know, this is what's out there. I, I'm waiting on you to, to, to help, you know, clear this situation. Um, and I'm going to trust in you that you're going to take care of that. And, you know, and don't let me put to shame here because my trust is in you. So let's read verses four and five. Make okay. me to know your paths, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. So what here they kind of talk about um, that verses 4 and 5 is a prayer for teaching. So it's kind of like, Lord, teach me. And what does he want him to teach? 
Well, he's basically when we're talking about ways there, right? And it's, we're talking referring to God's ways, okay? So, you know, what are God's ways there? You know, when we're looking at the Old Testament there, or, you know, we think about how, well, God punishes sin, okay? So we know that that's part of it. But the other part, too, that, that God really wants to do is show mercy, okay? Now, here again, the, the uh, congregation, I've uh, been studying Exodus, and uh, uh, Moses pleaded with the Lord, um, you know, after the golden calf incident. Um, and when he's praying to God then, he's saying, let me know your way so I can, you know, basically, so I can get to know you better, okay? Um, and quite frankly, I think this is good reason for Bible study, you know? How else are we going to learn more about the Lord, you know, if we don't go back to where he teaches us, right? Right back to his word. And so that's where we learn about, you know, what is a sin, what's not, and what what some of the expectations are uh, that the Lord has for us. So, again, it gets right back to, you know, God's the one who's doing that. So, you know, he's the one who's instructing us. He's the one who's given us his word. And so, and then in verse five, he's like, lead me in your truth and teach me for the God of my salvation for you. I wait all the day long, right? <laughs> this is, can't get any clearer here. David is asking for guidance here. It's like, Lord, I need you to show me the way. All right. Direct my path. Um, you know, he's certainly wanting, <laughs> he's wanting to get some guidance here before he gets publicly humiliated. <laughs> All right. 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 So, so and, and, whatever the situation was, <laughs> he's like, I need help. Right. And, <clears> it, know, and it, so, rhymes, it rings in my ears here, Pastor, too, the, the hymn, Christ Be My Leader, by night as by day, safe through the darkness, for he is the way. Um, those moments where we're waiting on the Lord, but this goes back to what you're saying. This is not a passive reality. He's saying, lead me while I'm waiting. And this is the Christian yes. life, you know, Christ, be my leader. And it, that, that hymn is not only a, a, a song, but it's a prayer. And that kind of it really reflects what's being said here is um, lead me and, and, and lead. Don't just lead me, but lead me in your ways. As you mentioned, the truth, because your ways are the truth. Other thoughts? We have about a minute before our break. Sure. One last thing here. You know, when he says wait all the day long. All right. Well, go back to Galatians 5.22, fruits of the spirit patience. Mm. That's one of the fruits of the spirit. We can pray for patience. Um, and sometimes that's what we need. So as we're, you know, studying God's word, trying to get that guidance in our lives there, well, sometimes that takes time and we need to, to be patient so that God can direct us and, you know, get through to us, so to speak, um, so that we know the right path that he wants us to lead us. So let's do this. Let's read verses six and seven, because I think this is a very important piece of this. And then we'll go right to our break and really just jump on this after our break. So verses six and seven. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. We're going to jump on that on the other side of our break. We are studying and praying Psalm 25 with Pastor John Hopkins, and we'll be right back.
These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 25 with Pastor John Hopkins of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hicksville, New York. And Pastor, we ended with verses 6 and 7, and David uses the word remember. And that can bring up <laughs> a lot of memories, I guess you would say. So, you know, it's what we will tell people, remember this, remember that. But here, it is a, it's a powerful language that he uses. So what is David saying with the word remember in these verses? Well, he's he, basically when he's saying remember, he's calling on God to remember what he said to the, the, the people of old in the past, right? Remember your promises, you know? So he's talking about, uh, remember what you said to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, you know, even Moses, you know, leading the people to the promised land. Remember what you said that, you know, we are your people. So remember all of those things, you know, um, that's who you are. You're a God who keeps promises. You're a God who shows mercy. You're a God who shows steadfast love. You know, when you think about steadfast love, um, it's kind of hard to translate all of what that means into English. But basically what that means is, is like, you're the God who promised Abraham that, you know, this whole area here, you're, you're, you're going to be the father of many nations. Are you going to be a, my people? You know, this promised land is going to be here. And so you know, even after being in Egypt for 400 years, Moses leads them out there. God brings his people out to the promised land. They get it. These are all the things that are promised there that God has kept, and that shows his love to the people. So when you see steadfast love, it's one, it's remembering God is the one who cares for him, has provided for him, shown love and mercy to him, keeps his promises. All of that's wrapped up in there. And so David's like, hey, remember, Lord, your steadfast love, because it's been from a old. You've been doing this for a long time. So he's appealing to God here right off the bat, and then he transitions and makes it personal. So he's, first of all, it's kind of like the Ten Commandments. You know, God talks about how this is what I did, you know, with a strong arm, I delivered you from, you know, the, the house of Egypt there. And then God gives the commandments. Here we have David. Remember all the good stuff, Lord, this is you. Now, uh, don't remember my bad stuff. Okay. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. I think it's a, a fascinating, you know, movement here as he's appealing to God. Again, this is such a personal prayer on David's part. You know, it's, you know, we don't, again, we don't know what it was that prompted him to do that, but it's obviously something significant. And so he's like, you know, God, you're so good. You're so loving. Now, because you are, please don't remember the sins of my youth. You know, according right. to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. You know, what a, what a contrast there that he's making. Um, 
So he's, he's like, remember me through the lens of your goodness, right? And that's right. the same thing that right. we, you know, have want with Christ, right? God's viewing us through Christ now. So he's not remembering the sins of our youth, all right, because they have been forgiven for Christ's sake. I mean, so that's, that's a good way to, to bring in Jesus here at this point in time, because that's where God's true goodness was shown to us through Christ's death on the cross there. It, it, it's much like when you're have a high school classmate that you haven't seen for years or a college friend or even a seminary friend or whatever it might be, or a vicar or something like that. And, and you see them, you haven't seen them for 20 years and you clearly, and hopefully have changed and the Lord has worked on you to just be a better person, I guess you would say. And you see that person and you instantly remember, oh shoot, they will remember when I did this. They will remember when I <laughs> do that. And there's kind of a hope in your heart, maybe even personal when you say it out loud. Uh, you know what? Hey, you know, I was kind of, I was an idiot in those days. So, hey, can we just hang out or whatever it might be? And that's totally what happens here in this is that he's talking to God because he knows God knows. He knows his, his past sins, but he also knows God is a forgiving God. And we see that in Christ. I love how you said that. In Christ, he sees us through those that forgiving lens. Any any thoughts? You said it's very personal. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, even one other thing that, that I tend to uh, usually bring this up regularly uh, with folks. When, when he's asking, they remember not the sins of, of my youth. He's not, you know, people tend to say, oh, you know, God, forget my sins. Well, forgetfulness is a result of our fallen nature, okay? Hmm. When he's asking God here to say, remember not the, the sins of my youth, he's asking God, choose not to remember my sins, Okay, mm. it's an intentional act on God's part, not remembering our sins. And so David's asking God to do that very thing. And so when God forgives us our sins, he is choosing. He's being intentional there not to remember our sins. So that's one, one last thing I like to emphasize when we, when we talk about that. Well, let's keep moving forward. I think we could probably spend the rest of the time on those oh, I know verses. But we <laughs> so verses 8 through 10. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. So we get, a, we get you know, he's pleading with the Lord. Now we kind of get some teaching moment on what the Lord does. And so what does he tell us? Yeah, he's transitioning here in a sense in, in these few verses here from the personal to the more general there. And so, again, it's a, again, I like that. He's, it's a teaching opportunity because God wants people to, to repent. Okay. You know, therefore, God is willing to instruct them. Right. That's why he gives us his word. <clears throat> and so. There comes with that some expectations here, and I think sometimes the believer kind of overlooks this. The expectation here is that the believer is going to follow those instructions, okay? Um, again, uh, this gets emphasized in Exodus frequently. Um, you know, God's like, hey, this is what I've done. Now, folks, you need to do that, right? That's why he gave us the commandments. He's like, you mm -hmm. know, believers typically here, when, when God gives us those commandments, if you're a faithful follower of the Lord— the commandments are not something that we have to keep. Rather, if you're a faithful follower of the Lord, you will naturally keep them. It's not going to occur to you to want to break one of the commandments. Okay. Um, 
But we all know that, well, we can't keep that and we're not perfect. And that's why it was necessary for Jesus to come. But again, there, God's wanting to instruct sinners in the way, right? He's like, this is, this is how you need to, uh, t- to live your life. And, and how is that to happen? Well, verse nine there, he leads the humble in what is right. So what kind of sinner is God looking for there? A humble one. Somebody who recognizes that they need forgiveness, all right? Now, that's the, the job of the Holy Spirit to, to point out that, you know, we're sinners that are in need of saving. And so who best understands that? Well, that's the one who is humble and recognizes <clears throat> that they are a sinner. And then in, in verse 10, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast, love, and faithfulness. Well, that, right off the bat, when I start thinking of that, uh, Proverbs Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You'll know these verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Okay? So follow those commandments there. And you're going to find out what David and his son there said is true here. You know, that's where God's instructing us. It's like, just follow the, the Lord here. And I think about how often would we keep ourselves out of trouble if we just, you know, worked on keeping the commandments a little bit better? Think how much our world would be better, even if they didn't believe at all, but just follow the commandments. How much life would be better with one another if we were to do that? And that's kind of the teaching moment here that, that David is giving us. Follow the Lord. He instructs sinners in the way. I do remember this, Pastor, is then uh, you're, you're exactly right. As we look at, for example, the Ten Commandments and just ask the question, if I did not misuse the name Lord your God, how much easier would life be, right? If I honored my parents or other authorities, how much easier life would be for us and right. for others? And he emphasizes that. And I want to use this little quip that, that, that you mentioned when I was on Vicarage. And I remember you just said something like, you know, it's amazing how when you look back, it just would have been easier if I just would have followed the example of my parents. And, and you said something, and it's a very simple one. It wasn't a, a biblical command, but you said, you know, they would always go to bed at like 10 o'clock at night. And then guess what? They weren't so tired. And then I would stay up till 12 and 1 in the morning and wonder, why am I always so tired? I should have just went to bed earlier. I remember you used that when your parents would tell you that. So that's yep. just a simple example. <laughs> Of, exactly. You know, exactly. This is going to be better. <laughs> Funny Anyways, that you remember that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, don't ask me about the Bible, but I do remember that story. Okay. All right. Um, All right. 11 Very through good. 15. Let's keep moving forward. Okay. <laughs> for your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Now, I'd say there's a number of themes in this, but basically it's a description of those who fear the Lord is how this lays out. Your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. He, he, he starts off with, in, in, in the psalm here, 
being very personal, gives us that teachable moment that we've just had. Now he's bringing it back again, making it personal. Um, you know, because mm. pardon my guilt, for it's great. You know that that James reminds us that you know if we've broken one commandment, we've broken them all. And what makes them great is the fact is, is well, who have we committed those sins against? Well, it's God. And so that's where it's like you know, that leads us right into the next verse there. You know, who is the man who fears the Lord? All right. You know, who is that man? The humble one. You know, the fear of the Lord's beginning and knowledge there. It's like, you know, we need to recognize and understand that, you know, God's in charge here, not only of the world, but of our own lives as well. And so if we're recognizing that, you know, with having, you know, fear and love of the Lord there, it's having awe and respect of him, then we're going to start to, you know, have a little bit more respect for the word that he gives us. And so when he talks about then, you know, his soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. Well, here again, it's just kind of like the, the, that you brought up about what my parents said. If I would have just gone to bed a little bit earlier here, you know, David's pointing out that, you know, there's benefits here for following God's word. Right. You're going to have a good relationship with him. You know, and, mm -hmm. and he points that out in the very next verse there, because, you know, what is that good relationship? Well, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And makes known to them his covenant, you know, uh, having a good relationship with God. Well, that that only happens because of what Christ has done for us. You know, that's where we can have that good relationship that we have that forgiveness. <clears throat> but the trouble is, is that the world doesn't understand that. You know, Paul brings this up in First Corinthians 2. The natural mm -hmm. person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Right? The unbeliever doesn't get it. Now, that should also be a motivator for us, for the believer, to be in regular Bible study so the Holy Spirit can work on our heart, you know, to help keep them in that one true faith. And then he gets a little bit more personal again. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. All right. David's using a little hunting language here. You know, he used to use mm -hmm. nets there to catch birds and things, that kind of stuff. Well, the idea is here is just keeping his eyes focused on the Lord. You know, help keep me out of trouble, you know, whether it be of his own making or that of his enemies. And there's there's a fulfillment language here too that this that this psalm gets fulfilled as Jesus says no longer do I call you servants but I call you friends in verse yes. fourteen and I, I found that and I found that fascinating because you can't help but see all the connections as you mentioned too our lives in Christ are able to see throughout this that, that this relationship of it's not a buddy relationship, but it is definitely that he has called us as his own, not as an authoritarian, like you do what I say or else, but a, I have laid down my life for you. And that's the foundation by which everything happens. And that's the foundation of pardoning the guilt, forgiving all sins, forgiving the sins of all of Israel. I mean, it really comes down to this very unique relationship with God that all the religions don't have. Um, don't exactly. understand God to be that way. Any any thoughts on that? I thought that really fit in that whole verses. Um, very yeah, no, that's that, that you, you're spot on with that. You know, because it again, it's all about relationships here. Hey, you know, how are you going to have mm -hmm. that relationship? Um, you know, it's just kind of like uh, you know, as you talk about folks that show up at Christmas and Easter. I'm going to touch on that. <clears throat> you know, mm -hmm, how mm -hmm. how else can you have a good relationship with somebody if you're only seeing them twice a year? 
you know? Right. And so right. that's where God wants us uh, to, to be in a good relationship with him. That's why he's, when he talks about instructing his, his ways, as he brings up before, uh, it's like, well, that means doing things on a regular basis. Um, and that's where we're going to come to understand that truly what that friendship that we have through Jesus means for us. And it, but I feel like this, and it does make sense as this is a, a acrostic psalm because there's themes, but we do feel like we're going back and forth quite a bit. You know, it's a it's a, a kind of a, a, a you know a forgiveness uh, teaching about God's grace, forgiveness, seeking forgiveness, asking for Lord to help us. That's why we really find this psalm as well. When you see these words in verses 11 through 15, is he's, he's bringing it back and saying, Lord, I am indeed sinful, but I know who you are on, on account of your steadfast love, as you mentioned before. Uh, do this for me and help me to live that life. And that, that kind of brings it back to what you're talking about with worship. That's the same thing that the Lord is doing to us. We're coming in asking for forgiveness. He fills us with his gifts and we say, Lord, help me to live that holy life. That's why I love that connection to worship. Any other thoughts? Well, I'm you glad you brought that, that up because I was getting ready to say that myself because that's exactly oh. what has happened. <laughs> Think of the back and forth nature that goes on in the worship service. Right. You know, we come mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. you know, we call upon God, the invocation there. We're asking, we're inviting God to be here with us. And then, so God shows up. It's like, well, what do we need to do next? Oh, hey, we need to confess those sins. All right. And what do we receive mm-hmm. after we confess those sins? Back up to God again. He forgives us. So that back and forth exchange is happening right here in this prayer as well. So, Pastor, let's continue to move forward. We have about 10 minutes left in our time, and we're, we're in a good spot right now. So let us read verses 16 through 18. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. So, Pastor, these verses very much so show that there's angst or there is... Um, um, brokenness that David is feeling, and you almost can just feel it that he's asking the Lord to be with him. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. You know, and, and this is definitely, you know, a verse that we can identify with. You know, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lowly and afflicted. Hmm. You know, think about the different times in your lives there, you know, when we've all sinned and, and you know, or when we get ourselves in trouble. How often do we feel alone and afflicted during those times? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where because we've done that, it's like, oh, I've dug this hole and I'm in it and I can't see out of it. Um, and so we're in that hole. And so what do we do? You know, we have to turn to the Lord. Um, so David's basically saying here, it's like, you know, turn your face towards me. Oh, God, be gracious. You know, he's, he's saying, deal kindly with me. Um, mm. You know, and, and verses 17 and 18, well, that really underscores, you know, the need here that, that David has. You know, you know, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. I was like, oh, man, they're growing, Lord. You know, these troubles here. And, and what is that? That's stress. We start to dwell on those things. And what do we do? We make them worse and worse and worse. You know, it takes somebody else to kind of help direct us. But in the meantime, you know, we're feeling like we're stuck. And so he's asking there, bring me out of my distress. You know, it's like, Lord, consider my affliction here, my trouble. Notice how he's so personal with this. My affliction, my trouble, and forgive all my sins. 
Now, I think that's the, where the person who's, who's you know, praying this prayer, this psalm, needs to recognize that we also, too, we're the ones who've gotten ourselves in trouble. It gets right back to what I said earlier about Adam and Eve. You know, they're trying to do the blame game. But whose fault was it that they sinned? It was theirs. David is recognizing, it's like, hey, these are my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. And that's certainly something that we need to do, too, and recognize that we need to turn to him for that forgiveness. And this is why when it says forgive all my sins, that's a, a very that's a very prominent, I think, piece to this, because he could just say forgive my sins. But there's a definite emphasis of all my sins, because in that loneliness, like you mentioned, and in that affliction, the number of sins that go through your heart are, are if it's just one that's prominent, you you'll go through them all in your mind. I mean, you have nothing to think about when you're lonely. That's all that you can think about. And so he is pleading not just to forgive a sin or a few, but all of them because he knows he needs it. And so it's a good reminder for all of us, you know, the, the need to confess all our sins and how that can overwhelm us at Certainly so. Certainly so. Because there, there tends to be, I'm glad you emphasized that all part there, because how often do we find that, you know, we know that God forgives our sins, but there's this, that one that we throw out there and ask for forgiveness, but it's like it's a lure, you know, and we reel it back in. It's like, no, I still got to hold on to this for a little while longer. I'm like, right. why? God for forgives yeah. all our sins. <laughs> and so as we look at that, Pastor, anything else in verses 16 through 18? No, I think that kind of covers it where we're at right. right now. 19 through 21. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. So verse 18, consider my affliction. Verse 19, consider my foes. And this is a lot, you know, consider this, we'll say. What is he asking them to consider in these verses? Well, again, the last part there, verse 18 there, is setting up the next three verses here. Because David recognizes that the biggest problem that he's got are his own sins first. Mm -hmm. We need to let Mm -hmm. that sink in as as a believer there. You know, our own sins there are, are... what troubles us, and it gets right back to what we had earlier, our relationship with God. You know, sin separates us from God. Sin breaks that relationship. And who's the one who restores us? It gets right back to what God does, what he does for us through Christ. So David knows that he's the sinner there. You know, he's saying, look kindly on me. And then he expands it out further here. And it's like, now, Lord, please deliver me from my foes. You know, he had people coming after him. Um, but also, too, I think that, you know, this is where we also need to keep in, in mind here for the believer. We may not have personally a, somebody coming after us, but what are the, what kind of foes do we have? You know, maybe maybe somebody might have a, a health problem or uh, uh, your spouse, uh, you know, has has health issues or, you know, you could, if you could be fighting with Medicare to get them to accept treatment for your loved one. You know, are they going to pay for physical therapy? You know. All of these different kinds of things, you know, it's just like, well, maybe it messed up, uh, you know, with your relationship with, uh, you know, a family member or a coworker. Again, it's just like, what are your foes? What What's coming after you? 
And this kind of puts us then back in the same corner here, you know, as David. It's like, Lord, you know, I'm putting this into your hands here. You know, I'm going to wait for you. You know, it's just like, don't, you know, guard my soul, deliver me. It's like, keep me there. You know, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. All right. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. But um, here it's like, may integrity and uprightness preserve me. It's like, you know, Lord, that's your job. That's what, you're the one who makes me holy. You're the one who, who forgives me my sins. And so I'm going to wait on you. Notice how many times he says that here. He's relying on God, all right? He's showing and emphasizing his faith and trust in God over and over and over again. Again, it gets right back to, you know, being that persistent person, being the persistent widow, going mm -hmm. again and again and again, seeking God's aid here. Right? right? It, how often I have had folks uh, say, you know, particularly as they get in years and it's like they they weren't quite as active physically as they were in the in the past, and it's like, well, what can I do? And I'm like, well, you can pray. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> got to remember, prayer's not passive. It's being active. And this is why I, I really appreciate, and, and this open, like I said, has opened up the whole thing. One, the confession piece that we're asking for forgiveness. And this is a great one for us to, to think about, maybe before we even go to church. But secondly, that active piece of that in verse 21, if you get to verse 21, and when it says, for I wait for you, and after you've prayed this whole psalm, and you are still thinking that this is completely passive, um, that that this Christian life is completely passive, even the prayer life, like you just mentioned, if you think it's completely passive, then I would encourage you to read the psalm again. <laughs> because exactly. there's a lot exactly. of activity going on. <laughs> so, there sure is. So he says, wait, but that means a trust that the Lord is going to be leading you and guarding you. And we once again ask, that he would do this among us also. So, Pastor, we have about two minutes left in our time. Let's read verse 22 because he brings it all back. So, like you said, it's been very personal. You know, read, consider my afflictions. Remember not my sins. Verse 22, redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. So now he brings in the community. What is this last plea, verse 22? What is he doing? Well, David's here, you know, he's, he's finishing it by asking God, all right, I've been asking you about taking care of my issues, Lord. You know, and that's where it's kind of like uh, we've been having blinders on and we're so focused on our needs and what's right in front of us that David steps back and is like, you know, hey, Lord, there's other people on this hospital floor besides me. Right. right there's other people right. who need healing, too. Keep in mind the needs of others as well. And so, you know, he's realizing that he's not the only one who has issues out there, but other folks do too. And God, you can take care of them and help them in their time of need as well. The emphasis in verse 22, out of all his troubles. And I think that is, a, a, it goes back to forgive all my sins because, mm -hmm. well, trouble, there's a lot of them. And so, Lord, take care of all of them. And that's that true, I'm in the corner, like you mentioned. Um, I, Lord, this is what you got. I, all of me is right here for you. Lord, I ask you to take it all. Uh, clearly not passive, but yet an admittance and a trust that the Lord will truly take care of all those troubles. Uh, any thoughts on that before we, uh, we have about a minute and a half left? No, that's a, definitely wrapping that up there. You know, because again, he, 
recognizing too, we all know that, you know, he's King David. So he has the responsibility of Israel as well. And so on their behalf, he's lifting them up before the Lord. But that's something too, that we just need to remember as well. So whether you be you're lifting up your family, your spouse, you know, maybe as uh, other pastors, we're lifting up our congregation, uh, but also to, you know, in your own vocation, who do you work with? You can lift them up in prayer as well. And so, again, it's recognizing here that we're going back to the one who can do something about it. Despite the fact that we feel like we're out of options, no, God can be the one who can provide that help and get us out of all of our troubles and all Pastor, of our sins. Pastor John Hopkins of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hicksville, New York, giving us God's strong word from Psalm 25. Pastor Hopkins, you know, it's a joy. It's an honor. Say hi to your family and thank you for bringing us his gifts. It's my pleasure. Thank you for asking. I'm your host, Brady Finner and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.